If you like pictures like these, go to my private Snapchat or just PayPal me. John McLaughlin at PayPal.com. Just a reminder that when a member of the Francoist right says to you that they're hurt and offended by something, you should listen to them. Tony Blankley, go. <laughs> just a reminder, people orientalizing members of Opus Day as mystical and having magical powers is low-key P. Gross. Eleanor Clift is Kate Blanchett. The thinking man's Tilda Swinton, or is the opposite true? Go. Tony Blakely, what if Ninja streamed with Travis Scott again? <laughs> Would more people watch that than the Super Bowl? Tony Blakely, I'm 13, and I listen to Iron Maiden instead of Justin Bieber. All the other kids at school make fun of me. Are they wrong? <laughs> I'll vote my comment to agree with me. I, I thought that last comment by Michael Kinsley was low-key P. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very rare uh, episode of the McLaughlin Group. At about uh, timestamp 334 minutes uh, 13 seconds, Tony Blankley exchanges a look at Eleanor Cliff's big toe. (laughs) 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 It was such a good show. Oh, God. Yep. Just a bunch of racist Catholics. Get a bunch of Opus Dei psychopaths to talk about how Franco had good ideas. And just yell at each other. That was their talking. That was their speaking voice. That's just how they talk. Yeah. Bring it back. Now the conservatives you have on TV is just like bring MAGA shitheads who think that Spain is just like a state in Mexico <laughs> and like but then like Max Boot, like the the intersectional neocon. <laughs> it used to be you could get an American who wanted to live under a Spanish king. Yeah. That was so sick. An American who's lived in America his whole life who just fucking hates Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking just asshole. Obsessed just with Napoleon. Rolled it. So he much. thought he owned that place. Yeah. Oh, man. Brett Bozell's dad was a big American Francoist. And he Brent, had a. Brent Bozell. Did I say Brett? You said Brett Bozell. It's the same name. <laughs> Who fucking cares? But, uh, yeah, so uh, Bruce Bozell, uh, Bruce Bozo. His the guy da- who looks more like Dr. Zayas than like any other <laughs> Yeah, d- Brent, Yeah, that picture, David Duke, the reason David Duke looks like he did is probably because he showed his doctor that, that picture and said, I want to look like this. <laughs> his doctor's like, okay. But, uh, yeah, his dad was a big American Francoist, and he actually split with American conservatives because he was like... Franco was like kind of neoliberal, like a lot of the Opus Day guys were, but it like less, uh, less old right economically, and that was a big reason for his split. But his dad just went insane and like bankrupted himself supporting Franco as an American, which is, and then his son's just a boring maggot. Yeah. Well, that's shithead. the thing. If you his ask, son just if, watches TV it, for like when someone says the word "butt," he yeah. fires off his like newsletter to his like eight million. Yeah. Subscribers. Meanwhile, meanwhile, his dad is like. Uh, Sir Franco, it would be my honor to worship your mother's skeleton with you. <laughs> Meanwhile, if you ask a contemporary conservative, what do you think of Carlists? They would say, I prefer McDonald's, actually. <laughs> just, just uh, absolutely unlettered swine. What do you think of Carlists? They should call it six guys when I'm there. <laughs> well, uh, that concludes today's uh, history lesson, but why don't we get into uh, the show? And I'd like to kick things off this week by saying, Boy, I hate being right all the time. Damn. It's, it's tough. It's Exhausting. a curse. But what's worse than being right all the time 
is when um, nobody listens to you and they do the exact thing you told them not to do. Yeah. So it's wh- almost like not enough people listen to the show and then do everything we say. Mm-hmm. It's problematic. But if they had followed our advice, uh, they, they could have perhaps avoided uh, this week's most mind-numbing and idiotic Ooh. Right, guys. Last episode, remember when we said, don't be afraid to let your body die? <laughs> well, you could have avoided all this. <laughs> No, we are on our the last basically the last ten minutes of our most recent episode before this one. Uh, we talked about um, how you need to just be just steal yourself and be totally dismissive of spurious allegations of anti-Semitism when they're directed at Jeremy Corbyn. And then on Monday, I woke up and realized, damn, we got the wrong character because it's Ilhan Omar this week has yeah. won that lottery and. In, in probably even dumber than the Jeremy Corbyn anti-Semitism bullshit. Well, I mean, the the fact that it's happening on Twitter inherently makes it dumber. That's for sure. Well, I'm yeah. just I'm glad that we've set a precedent. Lobbyists have never used money to influence anyone. No, <laughs> definitely and not. That's second, not what lobbies do. No, they just thing, really enjoy lobbies. They love being in lobbies. <laughs> yeah. Second thing, you guys, you know, yeah. I think I support Palestinians more than anyone. And you know that because I say that after for 40 tweets, I just call somebody the moral equivalent to Himmler for saying that APAC has influence on people. You know, then I say, let's support Palestinians, y'all. Let's raise awareness of Palestine. Well, I got to say, like uh, that, that this this whole idiotic controversy was going on because uh, Ilan Omar uh, said in tweets replying to what is it? Minority Whip Kevin McCarthy. It was over the issue yes, of, you know, of of lobbying. And then someone was like, you know, who makes him do that? And she was like, APAC. It's all about the Benjamins and people. And that 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 led to about t- the dumbest twenty four hours Ooh. on Twitter in in recent memory. Yeah, with just people real brain death. Hours. Just like if she had been describing like I don't know the U.S. auto manufacturing lobby or the NRA or, or, or any, any like, like the, the corn lobby. Yeah. So APAC's the only lobby that doesn't use money. That's amazing. Do they have glamoring powers? Look, it becomes more anti-Semitic. <laughs> and exactly. And then like, I mean, and then there's just like just a cascade of people projecting this sort of anti-Semitic intent. And it's like, oh, no, no. What she said about APAC is true. But she's using tropes. God, you can't see. use tropes. She's using tropes. tropes about, cro- tropes about, or just that w- trope about Jews just throwing money around left and right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's why they say like uh, the Jewish car, it stops on a dime and then uses it for lobbying purposes. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a couple. There, there's a couple different tacks people took with this. Uh, again, responding to Ilan Omar's flatly, objectively true just statement of, about how lobbying works in D.C. and how APAC has a huge influence in D.C. that is largely dependent on how much money they spend. Uh, the, there's a couple tacks people took on this. The first one, the dumber people uh, will, will just say, are you actually saying that APAC gives money to Congress people? Because that's illegal. <laughs> and, you know, when you saw that, you could just write that person off immediately. You know they're bullshitting. You know they're lying to you because you know those people understand full well that APAC, of course, does not directly give money to political candidates, but they manage an entire network of PACs that do just that. Right. The other one was just, just the people who pretended that they want to agree with her and just be like, actually, yeah. Uh, APAC is bad and we need to speak up against them but you just can't use certain tropes or like my experience as a uh, extremely well-off Jewish person living in America you need to you need to step back and listen to my experience and this is hurtful what she or the people who wanted to agree with her but they had to hold out this idea that she 
harmed the community in some way. Now, keep in mind, these are people who are not speak for any community. They're just talking on Twitter about how they feel. It's not like they're coming to you as a representative of like a labor union or, or any other group with constituents. They're just saying, I've appointed myself um, spokesperson for this community that you've harmed in some vague way. And, you know, we need to talk about that. And this is exactly what I was saying on last week's show is that like, no, no, you can't, no, don't even countenance that. Because that's even more bullshit than the idea that the idea that Ilan Omar's statements harmed anyone in any way is even more bullshit than the idea that APAC doesn't give money to politicians. All right. The greatest quote ever about Twitter is it was applied for a certain situation, but it's universally true. Dog boner. Michael Hale said it. He said, when a celebrity dies on Twitter, it's like watching a group of the same 20 people trying to jam a single turd down one clogged toilet. <laughs> and... But that is just every day now. It's every day because every day there's Donald Trump will tweet like, Max Baucus is so handsome. He could be in the movies. Too bad the Muslims want to put him in a headscarf. <laughs> and people will start like a at midnight hashtag game or something or mm -hmm. just jamming the same turd down that yeah. same toilet. And it's just the most disgusting display of social climbing and, uh, and networking and just jockeying to be seen by like, either a Sam B writer or like whoever manages hiring at cap who there could represent anyone. No one. They're just solely representing themselves to either get a job or get some awful serotonin rush from people liking their dog shit filth that they put out there. <laughs> uh, no one there can speak. They can barely speak for themselves. They probably should. <laughs> yeah. They need a conservator, honestly. Yeah. I to mean, leave their I, homes. That stuff doesn't even bother me as much it's the kind of like totally guileless response of an attempt at good faith from nice rubes <laughs> who lack any sense of cynicism like how do they not just walk out of their door and meet someone saying hey can i hold your purse for a second it looks really nice like how has that not happened to them the aoc response to it was Girl, you have got to wise up. Yeah. It was ridiculous. It was a, she's quote tweeting uh, Max Berger says, truly wild how many non-Jews feel comfortable telling me what is and isn't anti-Semitism. If you're not a Jew, please try to listen to Jews sharing how they feel. Not all the reactions are in bad faith. And she's like responding, lots of people here proclaiming to be woke, trying to police communities on what they are Slash aren't allowed to be upset by. Oh my god, am I on? Am I on a, like a fan fiction community? Girl, you've Mulan? got to get your shit together. You <laughs> have got is, to get your shit together. I was. The and only you Jew, broke ranks. The only she Jew. broke ranks, and if she keeps doing yeah. that, she's done for. Yeah. That's it. She won't make it. Yeah. She won't make it. She's you pretty much all them. alone out you there anyway. Them. You can't please them all. Uh, the only Jew I listen to is uh, Felix. <laughs> yeah. he, well, right, he I doesn't speak, let you not for, listen. I speak for everyone. I represent. <laughs> I re my experience is universal. If I say, I, you know, I feel unsafe, like when certain people say that a certain brightly colored battle royale game is for children, <laughs> and I present evidence that many the median age of the pro gamers who play it is actually about twenty three. Uh, you know, I feel unsafe when Matt says that. <laughs> but no, I mean, it was. I think it's just the phrasing, though. Police communities. What does that mean? First of all, there. are our communities that are literally right, overly yeah. police, so calm down with that shit. Yeah. And then, second of all, I, like, 
calling saying like I don't believe you is not policing someone. Also, how these is people this, need to get like this, some backbone. This standpoint concept just doesn't hold up. Because, no, it's absurd. Because okay, because I'm Jews are not a hive. Exactly. Night. It's like I'm listening to a Jew. Okay, but what about all right? It's Norman Finkelstein. That's the Jew I'm going to listen yeah, to. Yeah, right? that is my chosen Jew. Yeah. Well, I mean, st- standpoint theory. Felix, it's Norman Finkelstein. We already decided. Shh. Well, no, but it already fall apart here because the same people they're like. You have to listen to black women. You have to listen to yeah, right. Vote for black women. Support black women. Support black women. I don't know what that means. First of all, but okay, I don't know what Representative Omar is. <laughs> She's not a black woman, but right. just the moment she opens her mouth about something that makes you uncomfortable, she's there's a weird thing that happens there where the moment she says it, she's David Duke. Yeah, she's Anders Breivik. But then the moment that you finally fucking isolate her and try to terrify her and fucking beat her down and as a member of her own very small caucus i like fucking abandon her oh she's fine now well what the fuck yeah was it was it was it was it unapproachably anti-semitic well if it was then why is it okay if she's like oh my bad why she's learning She's and that's learning. the that's the that's the really nauseous noxiously. Yeah, she's learning if you prostrate your prostrate right. yourself before yeah. like the crowd, then you know they'll leave you alone for a second. Yeah, but for yeah. a well, second. That's the thing is that any the people I get most. I mean, all the cynics and the and the and the the husbars and the scumbags. Like you're doing your job. Congratulations. Go collect your paycheck. But the people who profess to honestly care about the Palestinian cause and stuff like that. And they're like, but we can't use tropes. Like, motherfucker, do you think that there's a trope that exists on Earth that you can evoke to criticize Israel that won't get called anti-Semitic? That does not exist. There's no language for criticizing Israel that will not get you called anti-Semitic by somebody, probably in a fucking bunker in Tel Aviv. And, uh, Corey, I mean, uh, Ryan Grimm wrote a piece in The Intercept about that very little seen documentary about the Israel lobby in D.C., that sort of came and went after a big struggle with whether it even be put on air anywhere where they have these APAC guys on tape bragging about how much their money spends in fucking DC. Yeah. yeah. Like this is what lobbyists fucking do. And APAC happens to be a pretty big and powerful one. However, I don't think it's like a, as far as APAC and Israel goes, I think it's like, I don't know. Like it's, I think us policy is directing it not vice versa. Well, yeah, Israel is our client state. Yeah, and no, like, right. 100%. Like, like, they're like, they're like, it's not like the it's not like APAC is like making no. uh, you know America do this. America, like APAC, is a front for America. Yeah, you know, and Israel as our client state. So if you want to, you know, pin that down, be welcome to it. But they're a malign influence any way you cut it, yeah. and they should be addressed as such. But the best is is that they put out APAC put out a fundraising email off of this yep. saying. This horrible anti-Semitism about how we use Jewish money to influence things in Washington. Give us we your really Jewish money. We really use some Jewish money right now. <laughs> I mean, well, are they just, I mean, maybe they're just fundraising because, you know, I'm feeling unsafe, hit my PayPal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, okay, you, you want to talk self-care. about? They're not going to spend that. That's the, yeah, that's, that's all going this to whole Sephora. argument was about. Yeah. They're not going to spend it. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, they're going to Sephora with but, that. Again, uh, Omar is being targeted because thus far she has been a very courageous voice in American politics holding elected office that are saying things that are flatly true about the world and America's place in it that cannot yeah. be acknowledged by an official D.C. And that is why the Democratic leadership um, condemned her immediately. Yeah. Well, that's about to get beaten out of her because she's all alone and all of these supposed you know, supporters are going to hang her out to fucking dry because they've got no backbone. I'd like to see... Uh, 
a strong, I'd like to see any statement from Bernie Sanders on yeah. this, let Come alone on, AOC's statements already have not exactly inspired confidence about... Don't you know, hold your honestly, breath on Bernie. Honestly, if, if she had said nothing... It would have been better. It would have been better. Yeah. Like saying nothing is still better than she fucking threw her to the wolves. Because this is and she's like, look, here's you... the way out of this. We're going to apologize. No, never apologize. That is the Chapo Creed. Oh, it's true. And, and here and here's and here's the, the, the net effect of that, Amber. Just today, we got to see Ilan Omar do something genuinely unheard of in D.C. politics, which is confront Elliot fucking Abrams to his face about the El Mozote massacre Speaking that he helped previous cover episodes. up in El Salvador to his fucking face mm-hmm. and it pissed him off like you could tell everyone in that room was like how dare she and she when she's first of all I love she called I want to play that clip actually first of all I love that she calls him Mr. Adams Chapo rule number one never get anyone's names right <laughs> Chapo rule number two always be disrespectful to yes. these people and getting in people's names wrong on purpose or by accident is a fun way to do that <laughs> but watch that fucking clip because it is it's like Haley's fucking comment in DC to see some fucking scumbag piece of shit mass murderer like Elliot Abrams get his coat ruffled for even half a second by some woman that he would put in a fucking camp yeah. if he had even half the fucking inclination or power to do so. Um, thank you all for being here and thank you for your uh, testimonies. Mr. Adams, in 1991, you pleaded guilty to two counts of withholding information from Congress regarding your involvement in the Iran Cortra affair, for which you were later barred by President George H.W. Bush. I fail to understand uh, why members of this committee or the American people should find any testimony that you give uh, today to be truthful. If I can respond to that. Uh, um, it wasn't a question. I was on February, that was it not was that was attack. not a question. That was the, I I reserve the right I'm to my sorry. time. It is not it is not right. That was not a question. Can attack on February eighth, who is not permitted to reply. That that was not a question. Thank you for your participation. On February eighth, nineteen eighty two, you testified before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee about U.S. policy in El Salvador. In that hearing. You dismissed as communist propaganda report about the massacre of El Mosote, in which more than 800 civilians, including children as young as two years old, were brutally murdered by U.S. trained troops. During that massacre, some of those troops bragged about raping a 12-year-old girl before they killed them girls before they killed them. You later said that the U.S. policy in El Salvador was a fabulous achievement. Yes or no, do you still think so? From the day that President Duarte was elected in a free election to this day, El Salvador has been a democracy. That's a fabulous achievement. Yes or no, do you think that massacre was a fabulous achievement that happened under our watch. That is a ridiculous question. and I Yes or no? No. I, I will, sorry, take, I will take that as a yes. I am not going to respond to that kind of personal attack, which is not a question. 
yes or no, would you support an armed faction within Venezuela that engages in war crimes, crimes against humanity or genocide, if you believe they were serving U.S. interest as you did in Guatemala, El Salvador, and Nicaragua? I am not going to respond to that question. I'm sorry. I can count on one fucking hand the amount of times in 40 years something like this has happened in Congress. Maxine Waters questioning the CIA mm. years ago about uh, drug trafficking in South America. This is actually, this is more than 40 years. The fucking church committee. And and what? What? You would have to go back to fucking Paul Wellstone, maybe. It, it, it's, it is. Yeah, don't go to any uh, small planes, uh, <laughs> Omar. Well, maybe. I mean, um, uh, but, but, it, but, it is. It is. You see why, though. You see, you see why, why you the see knives why are out they, for her. Yeah, yeah. You see why they're so fucking out for her. She is the bravest elected official out of this current crop. Unquestionably. Oh, Unquestionably. And this, the other thing that this shows is you see, you saw today why they have to clap her. And also, you see the end result of taking any of these spurious yes. accusations seriously because what happened, well, what happened? after she right fucking now. calls we'll see, we'll out this blood-soaked right murderer? We'll see how long she lasts and then people will be like, you know, well, she was really great, but she took a rightward turn towards the end. It's like, you know what? You wouldn't hold up. No one would. But the end result, of course, today, after this brilliant moment of, you know, giving, making him feel uncomfortable for like 10 seconds, which is more than he's fucking used to. Yeah. He should feel a lot worse than that. Yeah, he should be in a uh, fucking tiger cage. Uh, is immediately... All the people who are like, mm, I think she should be more careful. She's tropes. We should really have. Tropes. She shouldn't Fuck use off. tropes, or we need to have a more nuanced discussion. Guess what? Everyone, all, all the neoconservative right is like, I wonder what it is about Elliot Abrams, <laughs> the son of Jewish parents, that makes her so upset. I'm going to yep. read this to you right now. Disgraceful ad hominem attacks by Ilhan Omar on oh. my CFR org colleague Elliot Abrams. She doesn't seem to realize he is a leading advocate of human rights and democracy, not a promoter of genocide. More evidence of the loony left I caution Democrats about from one Max Boot. The maximum amount of boot. Uh, but yeah, this is the end result of that. You can't yeah, oh. talk, you can't call out a literal war criminal. Oh yeah, it's anti-Semitic. Yeah, it's anti. She's using tropes yeah. about Jews and mass so it's, murder. It's, I'm going to DM <laughs> Elliot and see if he's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm just like if Eichmann had only pulled out nice ad hom at in Jerusalem, he might have gotten off. This is the end result of it because like there there is no way that you can um, uh, acknowledge these truths about America's foreign policy or even our domestic policy. Uh, without people coming to cut your throat and they're going to do it to you in exactly this way, yep. which is what I said uh, just on Sunday about fucking Jeremy Corbyn. And guess what? They gave you an object lesson in that this week with uh, Ms. Omar. You can't. I, everyone wants to be fucking nuanced. Fuck off. There's no fucking nuance. There's people just are liars. It's, it's just. Yeah, there is an absolute truth. Yes. Too. Like and, you don't have to listen to everyone's feelings. And I know that sounds very facts. Don't care about your feelings. But you know what? Kind of or just because something is offered in good faith doesn't mean I have to take it or the person yeah. advancing it seriously. Yeah. I, yeah. I fucking don't. And mo most of this was in bad faith, but I think like even more sickening is the people who were in good faith. Right, like, yeah. We need to, uh, fucking Chelsea Clinton being like, thank oh, you boy. so much for talking. Let's have a dialogue. Oh, who the fuck are you? You're not in Congress. You've yeah. never had a real job. There was, there was something... That was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Maybe... Just she's always neck and neck with Megan McCain for pay are least, just the dumbest 
he at least accomplished public figure. Like I mean, most Spencer m- Pratt at least performed on a show. <laughs> Spencer and Heidi and Heidi Montag, they at least did something more than them. Like as you said, most mediocre public figures in American history. I mean, yeah, compared to uh, compared to Omar, who what a fucking story! The daughter of yeah. <laughs> a refugee who comes here, who doesn't bend an inch, and is elected, and just always. Goes out on her shield, leaves fucking everything there, not caring. I mean, caring, obviously, about this type of thing, but caring more about her principles than is Nancy Pelosi going to strip me of my committee assignments to question someone like Abrams and everything else. And then just what has Chelsea Clinton done but (laughs) post green pancakes? Write a children's book about resisting. She has never had a real job. I have to emphasize that. She has worked for uh, different hedge funds and uh and nonprofits all directly re- controlled by either the Clinton family or close friends and donors. Well, I I don't want to be too and I, I don't want As be, we now know, she name searches. <laughs> I was going to say uh, I don't want to be too hard on Chelsea Clinton. Which is Clinton insane. You grew she, up in the White House. I don't want to be too hard on Chelsea Clinton because she has accomplished one thing, uh getting Adam Friedland to delete his account. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean People called her ugly in the 90s, and no one has ever recovered from that. That didn't happen to anyone else, so we have to listen to her. I got to say, like, that is the most sympathetic thing about her. No, I remember, 100%. I remember yeah, they were very mean being a not attractive child and being about her age, like a little younger, and hearing Rush Limbaugh call a child yeah. a dog. What a piece of no, uh, yeah, Over absolutely. and over again. But She's a 40-year-old here's the boy. thing. Here's the thing. She should know by now that you don't name search. You should look for mentions of no. yourself. Like at some point, you're inviting the abuse into your life. Well, well she's the mar- she, that's her whole thing is she's the martyr. Like her her move on Twitter is to get an insult and then do like a high road. Like, well, it's a hi, you know, uh, hi, uh, Pizzagate 47. Uh, I know that you think that me and my family eat children's brains in the basement yeah. of Comet Ping Pong, but all I do is eat delicious uh, cheese pizzas. Thank you very much. Like, she's just trying to preen and show that she's above the insults. Like, she goes high. They go low, she goes high. You're insane. You're now chasing your haters. You learned nothing. It would be like if you camped out on Rush Limbaugh's lawn. <laughs> it, it's, it, it is, like... Her entire like online presence is like, yeah, she'll find like rifle patriot nineteen fifty two who'll be like, I'm just going to dialysis so I can live for the day that Chelsea Clinton is executed for treason. <laughs> and she's like, the only thing I'm executing is a playlist with J Cole, Beyonce, <laughs> and Salon, and people and like, yeah, then like Let's clap back, then Let's like clap the back. nephews and nieces of rifle patriot are like, you are such a classy ma'am. I love you. <laughs> you are clapping back at all these but haters beautifully. Forget uh, mediocre Chelsea Clinton. Uh, I, I think, you know, credit and, you know, solidarity, you know, must be had with Ilan Omar. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. like, this is the reason they want to strip her of her committee. Someone has to or she'll be fucking right wing in a year, you know. Uh, and this is why they want to strip her of her committee thing is so she doesn't get the opportunity to fucking call out Elliot Abrams. I mean, fuck calling out to just tell the truth to yeah. his fucking evil face for one time yeah. in his Are life. Are we really going to use that trope, his evil face? Wow. There you go. Face. Wow, well. There you go. Who uh, has yeah. an evil face? Uh, classic anti-Semitic caricatures. <laughs> there you go. Fuck off. Spare me your experiences and your fucking feelings about this shit. 
fucking hey, I'm gonna use the phrase, I'm gonna use another trope. Never bend the knee to these fucking people, even slightly. Yeah. Do not even bow your head or wink. It's not a dis- slightly. It's, it's not it's not a fucking bull session, uh, you know. It's not it's not hanging out in the quad where everyone wants to be reasonable. Like, there are real stakes here, you know, maybe not to the specific maybe not to your tweets, but like the, the general t- uh, contours of these arguments. This is life or death. Learn to identify people who are not on your side. Just because someone is, you know, nice to you but mean to the waiter, it doesn't mean they're nice. You know, I'll put it into perspective for you. If people who are ostensibly on your side because their display name is something like, I want Gritty to corncob Charlie Kirk or something. Someone who will probably be raising money for a Republican candidate in 10 years. Uh, They are using an apartheid client state of the United States as a wedge issue against someone who wants your life and the life of your friends to be better. There you go. Very easy. That's how to look for it. Okay. I hate to be right all the time, but... I yep. must I must continue. All right, moving on to someone else who uh, most definitely does not want your life to get any better and basically would like life to just sort of like it reached its apex of uh, goodness in around 2008 to 2016. Those were the days. I am speaking, of course, about Joe Biden. And I mentioned on the uh, previous episode that we wanted to spend some Joseph time. Joseph Robinette Biden. That's his middle name. Joseph <laughs> Joseph P. Biden. No. Joseph Robinette. P. Biden. Robinette. He uh is That's cr- not even a woman's name. It's I, a female dog's yeah, name. Yeah, it's not a thing. Uh and I'd like to spend some time with the life and career of uh Joe Biden because uh he is currently um polling at the top yeah. of the list of Democratic contenders. I'm basically I'm I'm sure just based on name recognition alone. I mean the the at this point the the pattern's pretty easily represented Lieberman was leading in 2004 because he had been the last VP, not even VP, but VP candidate. And uh, Sanders is right after Biden. I think probably largely also on name recognition. Yeah, no, that's true too. He was, you know, like a a very visible presence in the last election. But I think it is worth spending some time on the life and career of Joe Biden because basically his career in American politics is uniquely awful in almost every way. And uh, to, to start, to prepare for this, I, I went back to, to one of my Bibles, one of these tomes that I, uh, you know, thumb through from time to time when I'm feeling down. I need to connect with some of the wisdom of people who have come before me. I'm speaking, of course, about uh, Alexander Coburn's A Colossal Wreck, A Road Trip Through Political Scandal, Corruption, and American Culture. And I knew Alex would have some good words about Joe Biden. And I'd like to start by doing a very rare anti-reading series. By anti-reading series, I mean, I'm going to read you something that's actually good. This was written in that's August weird, dude. 23rd, 2008, around the time Joe Biden became Obama's running mate. Change and hope are not words one associates with Senator Joe Biden. A man so ripely symbolic of everything that is unchanging and hopeless about our political system that a computer simulation of the corporate political paradigm senator in Congress would turn out Biden in a nanosecond. The first duty of any senator from Delaware is to do the bidding of the banks and the large corporations that use the tiny state as a drop box and legal sanctuary. Biden has never failed his masters in his primary task. Find any bill that sticks it to the ordinary folk on behalf of the money power, and you'll likely detect Biden's hand at work. The Bankruptcy Act of 2005 was just one example. In concert with his fellow corporate serf, Senator Tom Carper, Biden blocked all efforts to hinder bankrupt corporations from fleeing their real locations to the legal sanctuary of Delaware. 
Since Obama is himself a corporate serf and from day one in the U.S. Senate has been attentive to the same masters that employ Biden, the ticket is well balanced. The seesaw with Obama at one end and Biden at the other dead level on the fulcrum of the corporate capital. Another shining moment in Biden's progress in the current presidential term was his conduct in the hearings on Judge Alito's nomination to the U.S. Supreme Court. From the opening moments of the Judiciary Committee's session in January 2006, it became clear that Alito faced no serious opposition. On that first ludicrous morning, Senator Pat Leahy sank his head into his hands, shaking it in unbelieving despair as Biden blathered out a self-serving and inane monologue lasting a full 20 minutes before he even asked Alito one question. In his allotted half hour, Biden managed to pose only five questions, all of them ineptly phrased. He did pose two questions about Alito's membership of a racist society at Princeton, but had already undercut them in his monologue by calling Alito a man of integrity, not (laughs) once but twice, and further trivialized the interrogation by reaching under the dais to pull out a Princeton cap and put it on. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) A Delaware newspaper made deadly fun of him for his awful performance, eliciting the revealing confession from Biden that... I made a mistake. I should have gone straight to my question. I was trying to put him at ease. (laughs) Biden is a notorious flapjaw. His vanity deludes him into believing that every word that drops from his mouth is minted in the golden currency of Pericles. Vanity is the most conspicuous characteristic of U.S. senators en bloc, nourished by deferential acolytes and often expressed in loudest sexual advances to staffers, interns, and the like. Why did Obama choose Biden? One important constituency for Biden was no doubt the Israel lobby inside the Democratic Party. Obama, no matter how fervent his proclamations of support for Israel, has always been viewed with some suspicion by the lobby. Wonder why. <laughs> for, for half the lifespan of the state of Israel, Biden has been its unswerving acolyte in the U.S. Senate. That was Alexander Coburn writing on August 23rd, 2008 God. about Senator Joe Biden. You know what's the freakiest thing about Biden? Genuine, unnerving, weird thing about him that makes me th- makes him feel like a lot of these guys just like you're a lizard man he always bragged about the fact that he's one of the poorest senators right like he never had a lot of money he's got like a six-figure net worth they, they made a lot of that in 2008 what a fucking loser uh, well that's what i'm saying it's like he was an absolute crook and and corporate bag man for all the insurance companies and credit card companies that run delaware and he didn't even get any fucking he didn't get a boat out of it or anything yeah. what kind of freak it's like, yes, I will be your pathetic. I will be your Renfield in the Senate. And no, no, thanks. Uh, j- your your uh, your gratitude is all I need. To be fair, though, uh, your money goes really far in Delaware. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? I just I just want to ride the train. I don't need a boat. <laughs> Do you know how much like a crooked Cook County? Uh, yeah. alderman makes <laughs> like they're just caked up but that's michael like, mad michael madigan is just sh- fucking dumping out stacks uh, and <laughs> but because this biden yeah. it's the it's the power and it's the yeah. it's the press that's what he yeah. he doesn't give a shit he, he should have been it's yeah. actually more disturbing than yeah. someone that's just purely corrupt he, he should have been a youtuber he should have been he has the personality of a jake paul he that has is the same true. shit personality but I love that Alito thing is great. Don't you hate it when you try to play good cop, bad cop, and you, you're you like, oh, I just did good cop, good cop. <laughs> I'm kind idiot. of astounded they fucking left him on the Judiciary Committee after the Anita Hill fucking hearings. Uh, are you, are you shocked, shameful. though? Shameful. No, I'm not. It, but it's a, Democrats. It's, it's breathtaking how badly he fucked let's, that well, up. Let's go over that. His role in the Judiciary Committee. He did... Uh, he was instrumental in stopping Bork from getting on the Supreme Court. Yeah. But, th- I mean, let's be honest, that was kind of a layup. You just look at that guy's weird flesh beard, and yeah. you're just like, no. 
And, and However, it was a, it was, he was operating at a different time when we didn't think that, like, he was political. Uh, Bork was was political in a way that was not common for. Bork would answer the questions about, yeah, like, do you believe women should be killed for getting an abortion? He'd and like, it, yes, was, it was Teddy Kennedy and his big balloon head and his, his speech that really nailed the coffin on Bork anyway. Uh, so we'll give Biden half credit for that. However, his performance during the Clarence Thomas hearings are world historically awful and probably the most important thing he did as head of that committee at the time mm-hmm. controlled by fucking yep. democrats was not allow any of the other accusers that anita hill and there was at least two yeah. others who were willing to testify Astounding. about clarence thomas Astounding. would not let them and then his examine is his question is cross-examination of anita hill was also horrible yeah uh, With, yeah definitely like very hostile treated her as a hostile witness yeah. for sure uh yeah clarence thomas will be on the supreme court for another 30 years thanks to joe biden uh, let's talk a little and bit. Nanobots. Uh, let's talk a little bit. Uh, we, we talk about he is a consummate bagman for the banking industry and being from the state of Delaware. Uh, he voted for something called the Regal Neal Banking Efficiency Act oh, in 1994, good. which allowed commercial banks to do business over state lines. And then he also voted for the Graham Leach Biley Act, Financial Services Modernization Act of 1999, which famously overturned Glass Steagall, which separated commercial from investment banking. That worked out well. So 2008 economic crash, uh, you can, he had his hands in that as well. Uh, probably more famous, if you're familiar with Biden now, because he's taking more heat for it. He should be taking a lot of heat for uh, the bank bailout in 2008, as well as all of these you know, financial modernization acts as well. But he is taking a little heat now because of his history um, with the crime bills and being a, a, Ooh, yeah. a, a, a like being bad cop, finally being bad cop, but basically just to America's swollen underclass yeah. of, you know, people who sold like a dime bag of crack and got 30 years fucking time. Guys, I remember to do it, but at the wrong time, he's the father of the crack, uh, powder cocaine disparity, sentencing disparity. Yeah. He, uh, it was, um, everyone was so excited about it too. Uh, the Heritage Foundation, for example, gave him a ringing endorsement mm-hmm. for his role in the Grand Bill. Uh, this is this is now uh, from a Jacobin article oh, by Bronco, yeah. Bronco Marsetic. One episode in particular sums up Biden's record. In September 1989, George H.W. Bush delivered a speech outlining his national drug control strategy in which he called for harsher punishments for drug dealers, nearly $1.5 billion towards drug-related law enforcement, and more prisons, more jails, more courts, more prosecutors at every level throughout the country. At the time, the Heritage Foundation gushed that it constituted the largest increase in resources for law enforcement in the nation's history, and it's now remembered as a key moment in the escalation of the war on drugs. For Biden, however, it was a half measure. Quite frankly, the president's plan is not tough enough, bold enough, or imaginative enough to meet the crisis at hand, Biden said in a televised response to Bush's speech. In a nutshell, the president's plan does not include enough police officers to catch the violent thugs, enough prosecutors to convict them, enough judges to sentence them, or enough prison cells to put them away for a long time. It's not creative? It's not imaginative enough? Where are the trebuchets to launch them into brick walls? (laughs) Where are where are the giant human sized uh, uh, mouse traps where you put crack in the middle and then they slap into their spines? Listen to this. Biden was already a tough on crime evangelist before this speech. Of course, in the 1980s, Biden worked with his quote old buddy arch segregationist Strom Thurmond to pass several bills that fundamentally reshaped the American criminal justice system justice system in the direction of more incarceration. 
They, along with Ted Kennedy, had worked on earlier unsuccessful proposals that raised maximum penalties, removed a directive requiring the U.S. Sentencing Commission to take into account prison capacity, and created the cabinet-level drug czar position. In 1984, they passed the Comprehensive Crime Control Act, which, among other things, abolished parole, imposed a less generous cap on good-time sentence reductions, and allowed the Sentencing Commission to issue more punitive guidelines. Uh, just following up that little hyperlink about his good buddy, Strom Thurmond, I came across this anecdote. Joe Biden delivered Strom Thurmond's eulogy at Strom's <laughs> own request. <laughs> Saying of it, God. he says, some of you knew my relationship with Strom. Did I ever think when I got here I would become friends with Strom Thurmond? He stood for everything, everything I got started because of civil rights. Yet, on his 100th birthday, again, evil people never God fucking die. It. It's just Yet, on his yeah. 100th yeah. birthday, shortly thereafter, on his deathbed, I got a phone call from his wife, Nancy. She said, I'm standing here at the nurse's station, Joe, with the doctor. Just left Strom. He keeps eyeing the nurse. He asked me to call you. He wants a favor. I said, of course, Nancy, whatever he wants. He said he'd like you to do his eulogy. Well, I never thought, never in my wildest dreams, that this place, these walls, the honor that resides, would put me in a position where a man whose career was one of the most interesting in modern American history (laughs) asked me to be his eulogist? Leonardo DiCaprio and Django Unchained was one of the most interesting (laughs) and honor-bound characters. It's particularly hilarious because, you know, Strom Thurmond must be so dumb to think that Joe Biden is a good speaker. Right. Or it that almost would... makes you wonder if his wife, after years of resentment, <laughs> wanted to get in one last yeah. fuck you at the very end. She's like, I know who's going to do your yeah. fucking eulogy. It's the guy who's going to only talk about himself for the entire time, yeah. which that was, just yeah. because he's the, one of the most narcissistic maniacs on earth. By the way, he says that his career started in civil rights. That's kind of true. One of his big issues when he ran for Senate in the 1970s was opposing busing. So he is correct that that civil rights did uh, was, in a way uh, that was get him the into topic politics. That he, yeah. I want to return now to um, Mr. Coburn again because wouldn't you know it? He has written quite a few wonderful paragraphs about Mr. Biden, and this will uh, bring us back once again to the issue of the Israel lobby. Alexander Coburn, uh, writing in July tenth, two thousand nine, after he's become vice president, writes. Appropriately, it was on the topic of Israel as vice president, Biden first tossed aside unmanly prudence. Even given the zeal of almost every member of the U.S. Congress to satisfy the Israel lobby, Biden has always been conspicuous for his slavish posture towards the holy state. Accepting Obama's offer of the vice presidential nomination last summer, he announced emphatically that he would not have considered accepting the invitation if he had entertained the slightest suspicion that Obama was not 100% in Israel's corner. In fact, the Israel lobby did entertain these unworthy suspicions, which is why it pushed strongly for Biden as Veep. It wasn't far into Obama's first months in the White House that the lobby began to feel that even though Obama's chief of staff is Rahm Emanuel, their suspicions were justified. The president dared to mention in public the plight of the right of Palestinians to some form of state. He said that the settlements on the West Bank had to stop. True, he didn't say anything categorical about the actually existing illegal settlements. He seemed too eager to parlay with Iran, too demure on the topic of its nuclear program. On July 5th, George Stephanopoulos interviewed Biden in Baghdad for his Sunday morning talk show on the ABC network and promptly put the question, if the Israelis decide Iran is an existential threat and they have to take out the nuclear program militarily, the United States will not stand in the way? 
Biden lunged for the driver's wheel and swerved U.S. government policy in a whole new direction. We cannot dictate to another sovereign nation what they can and cannot do when they make a determination. If they make a determination, they're existentially threatened and their survival is threatened by another country. The White House spent the next two days categorically denying that it was giving via Biden Israel the go-ahead to make a unilateral attack on Iran. The United States is absolutely not flashing Israel a green light to attack Iran, U.S. President Barack Obama told CNN in Moscow on July 7th. Then, in the same Stephanopoulos interview, Biden sucker-punched Obama again, addressing the failure of Obama's stimulus program to halt the surge in unemployment and prompt recovery, a failure, has the pre- a failure has, that has the president tumbling in the polls. In devising this program, Biden confided to Stephanopoulos, the Obama administration had misread the extent of the economic catastrophe it inherited. The truth is, we and everyone else misread the economy. The figures we worked off in, of in January were the consensus figures and most of the blue chip indexes out there. So Oops. once again, back to uh, Biden and his uh, wonderful views on foreign policy and on uh, banking. Uh, you know, the onion, remember? Yeah. He's mm-hmm. like cool grandpa. He's like watching a Trans Am in the... In front of the White House, that's adorable. Yeah, dude, and he's just so dude. When him and Obama would get out there, and they would just like Obama would be like the he'd be the straight man because he was adulting like a boss. But then Biden would be like, "Yo, I'm like a fucking line break joke from Weird Twitter. Check me out. <laughs> Pretty good. I do have a soft spot. I have to confess to for Joe Biden because, like me, he overuses the word literally, and uh, so I feel also like a YouTuber. Yeah, I have a feel a kinship to him on that. I mean, Matt, you you hate YouTube, but like all the all of them being centralized there, Jake and Logan Paul, everyone else in Team Ten, Shane Dawson, that's they can just do that for the rest of their lives and not become shitty center right politicians. That's true. That's until true. Logan Paul becomes president of the neo American Imperium. Well, I've been years. in Logan Paul's ear. I'm attempting to become the Rasputin of Team 10. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you luck. Sorry, one last quote from Coburn here. He says, No one thinks Biden is running the country, and maybe this is the core of Obama's Biden problem. Almost all politicians are narcissists, and Biden, more than most, is narcissistically vulnerable. It's why he so often got into trouble for lying about his achievements. It's why, as a senator, he couldn't stop talking. Yeah, and then uh, he got... So buffaloed by Obama as his friend that he allowed him to talk him out of running for president in 2016 when he probably could have beaten Hillary and definitely would have beaten Trump, which is what his pitch is now for 2020 is we can just do 2016 all over again Mm -hmm. and that it'll be exactly the same. And then those 70,000 white people in the Midwest who flipped and, and led to trump's election they would vote for me and he's right that that probably would have happened in 2016 but you know things are different now yeah but how fun is it gonna be to watch him figure out during a debate or a speech that his window has closed it's gonna be funny because it's pretty clear that like like there's no appetite for i mean when he goes out there and says yeah when these goes out there and says millennials are a bunch of pussies and should stop whining so much i mean what the food is that even for? Yeah. I mean, even like, even well, even well the, Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, <laughs> he's no last drag. No, Come on. Yeah. he can't even fucking touch Amy Two Targaryen. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's just a small sample of his career. But if you could just go through it again, um, slavishly devoted to uh, Israel and anything they do, they want to launch a preemptive nuclear strike on Iran. He says, go for it. Live your truth. He, he uh, big, big supporter of the Iraq war initially before then, of course, becoming a critic and saying, oh, it was incompetently executed. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, bank deregulation oh, and just time. generally being a courtesan to the credit card industry and every other corrupt uh, corporation that has a mailbox in Delaware that allows them to evade taxation or regulation. Yeah. Um, uh, Insane, so, tough on crime. Psychotic shit. prison sentences for tiny amounts of drugs. Yeah. Th- violent thugs, super predators. I mean, honestly, he's ma- he makes Kamala look almost good in that regard. I mean, she. I mean, then again, she was in the front lines carrying out. Yeah, she this was policy. actually throwing them in jail using yeah. the laws that he passed. She was. So there you go. The Who's worse? Lines. They're working together. That's the. It's the army. You know. Okay. Actually, that brings it up. What do you guys think about Kamala copping to smoking pot and inhaling? I don't and believe her. It? Yeah, she's probably full of shit. I don't believe her. I think she consulted um, like a a series of focus groups, and they're like, "Look, the Overton window has moved on this. We need <laughs> yeah. to make you look less wooden and more human." Yeah. So she's like, "What if I said?" I smoked a pot <laughs> and, and they're like, that's brilliant. And then it was like, uh, you know, the scene in the 40 old virgin where he's like trying to describe touching boobs. Yeah. Oh yeah. I smoked some cloud. It was mids row. It was, yeah. 1996. We were listening to childish Gambino. <laughs> it was awesome. I well, like, this is, she got this the is... timeline wrong and she was like, I smoked pot in college listening to Snoop Dogg and Tupac. And it was like, that was like seven years before <laughs> yeah, they yeah, even yeah. had like a well, album. This, yeah, she's this, a liar. This, this primary is going to have every type of liar. Joe Biden is like, he's sort of the valedictorian liar, but he's more of like, he's got a little my cousin liar in him. Oh, like yeah. When he's like, yo, no shit. I would beat Donald Trump's ass. He did uh, say that. That was yeah. so funny. Yeah. Yeah. But Kamala Kamala is like the nerd kid liar. Like, oh, yeah, I love doing shots. <laughs> I had, oh, my, I had like five shots of uh, Natty Bow, I think, last <laughs> night. Uh, you, um, it just, it's going to be every type of liar you've ever seen yeah. in your life. Amy uh, Klobuchar is Amy Klobuchar is the Minnesota liar, the one who's like, presents as like well you know let's let's see if we can get you some tax credits but behind the scenes like i swear to god if you don't get flappy bird back on my fucking ipad (laughs) your kids are going to be waiting for you to come home forever (laughs) every type of awful american uh that all the american archetypes of liars are going to participate in this but that's what's so the thing about Harris with that weed thing. That's I mean, uh, frankly, her lying about it is kind of endearing, charming. It's, yeah, it's that she has not acknowledged the fact that she spent her time as a prosecutor throwing fucking people in prison for smoking marijuana. That was her thing in San Francisco. Yeah, DA was putting years on people for like yeah. having like you know state time for first offenses. San Quentin. Yes. Fucking San Quentin. And these people want to just say, like, now, hey, everybody, who, who, hey, fellow kids, who wants to bomb? Shoom, yeah. I mean, yes. in, in San Francisco, like a famously liberal city where people went to escape, basically, abuse, she would take children who were smoking mids and put them in a country music song prison conditions. Yeah. Well, she wanted them to smoke that loud. <laughs> Well, I've, I've I've seen a lot of the uh, the defenders of Kamala Harris be like, basically, uh, it's 
okay to criticize mass incarceration, but not to Kamala Harris because it's like nothing's good enough for you because yeah. it's a woman <laughs> of color or something yeah. like that. Oh, and it's just like, yes, also, you yes, know, she will, she will. It's a trope. It's a dog. Yeah, whistle. that's another trope. Uh, another the biracial trope. woman that throws people in jail. That's it's, a, it's another a classic trope. trope. No, but the, the other yeah. thing I hear is like, is there like, yes, like, you know, obviously, you know, uh, there are time for these conversations and, you know, she's going to have them, you know, and I think like there should be tough questions asked of her. And it's just like, if Kamala Harris even one tenth owed up to the fucking evil she did to people ruining people's lives for this drug war fucking bullshit, you wouldn't be running for president. Yeah. In fact, you just quit your job and like I don't know work yeah. in outreach for these. Yeah. The pe- you go to an ashram or something. Yeah. You wouldn't be exactly. like I was a monster who ruined lives my whole life, but mm. now let me be in charge of the drone kill list. Yeah. If you want to show me you've learned something, yeah, from- no one's running on a campaign of atonement. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't be fucking running no, for president. Ratification. Yeah. Like, uh, actually, Self-mortification. Like if, if you yeah. become president, everything you did was the right move. Every person you threw in prison, was that was the right call, because look where it got you, literally yeah. being the most powerful person in the world. And the other hilarious thing she said about it on The Breakfast Club was she was like, I think smoking pot, it just gives people joy, and I think there needs to be joy, more joy in Jesus the world. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, okay. John, president Johnny's son. Uh, yeah. off. That okay, sounds well, awesome, well, dude. Could you say something about how it should be legal? First or and that you were wrong, that you were wrong. Yeah, oh, like yeah, that 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 kid who was uh, maybe selling. Well, a she little... was fine saying she was wrong about healthcare. I don't know why yeah, she that, can't. That uh, one she fucking hey, switched. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that, she has no problem backtracking. Yeah, yeah the uh, the uh, the like the seventeen-year-old who wanted to like sell twenty dollars of joy to his friends. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, he he got fifteen years in fucking San Quentin. Yeah. You got a lot of joy. So uh, I think uh, exciting new character for the primaries, obnoxious Blue Lives Matter guy, like just awful cop shithead who's like, yeah, I, I kneel for the cross, but stand for the anthem. But he's just the biggest Kamala Harris supporter. <laughs> that would be the funniest. She guy. could do it. That she would be the funniest it. guy. Like he's just all day. He's like, I've been ascertaining all types of hip hop perps. But then like when it comes to go. Oh, I guess no black woman is good enough for you. <laughs> that's the new. That's the new guy. That's the new guy you got to look out for. So the, those those are the uh, two quick hits on on Biden and and Harris, the rather you know dour and uh, mostly boring figures that are going to be clogging up the uh, banal. The, the, the evil is so banal, man. Yeah, it's getting off the charts. It really is, and you know both of them are you know waist deep in the drug war and in biden's case both the war on drugs and the war on terror yeah um two sort of bipartisan efforts that are just forever wars yeah that are just going to kill and destroy people's lives for probably as long as we're alive uh but you know god forbid a young congresswoman says um this is bad and we shouldn't do that because she's probably doing anti-semitism she's doing tropes she's doing tropes go to tv tropes it's all there (laughs) yeah TV tropes on uh, yeah being neoconservative that's an identity yeah and when a neoconservative tells you that they feel hurt by something you should listen you need to listen. you should listen you need to listen you need to listen you should not you should not immediately um, just bowl them over with gales of laughter don't no. don't police them you can't police them no we should pol- we should police our own movements and communities but leave yeah. other policing to other people literal policing yeah is good. Uh, Got to do that all the time, much more 
than we're doing now. No, we should also be policing movements because I like to be sort of a volunteer cop, but for right. movements yeah. and, and policing tropes. You know, you know what that is? That's Blue Lab's magic. <laughs> no, we all need to be policing tropes. When you see your friends do them, yeah. when you see people engage in tropes online, you have to police that. Yeah. yeah. You have to use the taser if you have to. Uh, if, it, if it escalates, you mm-hmm. know, use your service revolver. At, off, at, at uh, our 1800, offer, Officer Prisposiak and I saw three gangbangers engaging in tropes. <laughs> we engaged with them kinetically and policed their communities. I love how Chicago your, your cop identity is. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, those are the best cops. <laughs> the most heroic cops yeah. are the Chicago ones. Uh, yeah. And, you know, if there's... Uh, a controversial political belief that, that you hold uh, as just and true, like that Palestinians deserve a state and human rights. It's probably trope. You can be knocked off that pedestal if just one person tells you that they feel scared. Yeah. That's good. You should allow that to happen. Yeah, no, because that's, show, that's, that's showing that you're mature and yeah. you care. And you're respecting other people and their tropes and their communities, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is important. Elliot Abrams, yeah. community. He, he's, living, he's a community. He yeah. is. He's a, like, the community of neo Con, uh, war, war criminals, criminals. <laughs> people who have lied to Congress They're and very done genocide. Knit, yeah. Tightly knit community. It's a community. Um, they have a they have a a really you know rich history. Yeah, you got your Wolfowitz, Richard Pearl. I mean, this is a vibrant, rich community, mm-hmm. and they don't need you in there uh, troping it up. Don't yeah, if don't see, tell them how to feel. Don't you, police their feelings. Yeah, if you see someone like uh, Representative Omar come in, invade Abrams's spaces and make him unsafe, you know, call call her out. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent, absolutely. I want to find the one thing that uh, Elliot Abrams' dearly departed wife uh, said about Palestinians. Is this one second? Is this Norman Fedoritz's daughter? I think so. Why do they all marry each other? They're like fucking Targaryens, it's a but community. they ride desks. <laughs> it's <laughs> so shit, dude. That's okay. why they all have sister wives. I fucking hate them. <laughs> oh my god. Yo, don't make fun of Max Boots hats. That that's traditional in his culture. <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, Rachel Abrams was the daughter of uh this is for the fir- for her Midge Dector's first marriage, Moshe and Midge Dector, not Norman's oh, daughter. Okay. But uh, Wait a minute, she kept her first husband's last name after she married yeah. Norman? Dick Dubois. Oh, cock. Norman got cocked. This, this is this is uh no, it just means <laughs> that dick was fire. <laughs> This is Rachel Abrams. You trying to get that Dector? <laughs> yeah, I'm a scale eight and a half on the Dector scale. <laughs> he goes, she's saying, Gilad, he's free, and he's home in the bosom of his family and his country. Celebrate Israel with all the joyous gratitude that fills your hearts, as we do along with you. Then round up his captors, the slaughtering, death-worshipping, innocent, butchering, child-sacrificing savages who dip their hands in blood and use women, those who aren't strapping bombs to their own devil's spawn and sending them out to meet their 72 virgins by taking the lives of the school bus riding, heart drawing, transformer doodling, homework losing children of others and their offspring, those who haven't already been pimped out by their mothers to the murder god as shields hiding behind their burkas and cradles like the unnamed animals they are, and throw them not into your prisons where they can bide until they've traded by thousands, until they're, they are traded by the thousands for another child of Israel, but into the sea to float there, food for sharks, stargazers, and whatever other oceanic carnivores God has put them there for that purpose. Well, and the new common commercial got really <laughs> I mean, that you may think that sounds, uh, you could say harsh, right? But zero tropes. Yeah, there's Not no tropes, no in, tropes there. in there. No tropes. Not all, a yeah. single trope yeah. to be found. Holy shit. That wow. is. 
you <laughs> she went off. Said, yeah. Damn, like, she she, she she did spit mad fire. Yeah, so that it sounded was, like an Israeli. What the fuck? It sounded like Israeli Dennis Leary. <laughs> <laughs> She has a song version of it. I park really slow in the King David Hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Holy fuck. Damn, girl. Rarely am I impressed by racism. Yeah. Bitches, the Turner Diaries guy would be like, holy shit, lady. (laughs) I drive real slow over Palestinians' (laughs) homes while the people inside them are going insane. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, again, just want to underscore again, in case you uh, didn't listen to the episode with John Schwartz, um, Elliot Abrams is a mass murdering uh, war criminal. Yeah. And if you're rude to him, that's literal violence. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Ilan Omar, do, uh, better. do, do better. Do better. Do, I mean, she got his name wrong. Not respectful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People are always saying that neocons names are too hard to pronounce. Well, guys, I think we, we learned we learned and we grew. We learned a lesson, but I don't yeah. want to. Uh, I don't want to end this episode without giving a quick RIP to one of the realest ones ever. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. To our boy, uh, Lyndon LaRouche, who, God, he was too young. He was only 98 years old. <laughs> powered, powered into his ninth decade by pure hatred of the British royal family. The House of Windsor finally got him. They finally smoked his ass. I am they got shooters. I'm legitimately sad he outlived. He didn't outlive Prince Philip yeah. and Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. That legitimately yeah. makes me well, sad. Prince Philip ran him over with his car. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not I'm an asshole. Sure but uh, for those Philip of you alive. who are, who are you know, our audience skews young, uh, you may not know about uh, LaRouche and his followers. Yeah, his heyday of, of having people handing out pamphlets and stuff was the 80s yeah. and 90s. I mean, we're, a we're, truly we're, idiosyncratic fellow. Oh, yeah. We're a little bit older. We all met on the LaRoche campaign <laughs> in 96. Handing out those pamphlets. Uh, I just really believed in But him. he was really a, a, a sui generis figure in American politics yeah. who was, uh, let's be honest here, I mean, a 100% right-wing crank. Yeah. But uh, in an interesting way. But like, but like, crank. but uh, with... With bizarre sort of like now everyone is just like it's the same cookie shit. cutters. He definitely, he definitely shattered far right hegemony. Oh yeah, I mean now everyone is just like a cookie cutter slob yeah. or some bow tie, triggering lips, snowflake, uh, build a wall. Like yeah, or, or, yeah, it's like there's a it's, there's a mixture of like five sentences that they would put, they yeah. put out. Yeah, you know, you know, you know the thing about Franco and the church that they, he wanted to build his base of support by getting like lower middle class people into the, involved in the church and instead of making them more trad. It just made the church like less conservative and even less religious. It's the same thing. By Trump, uh, sort of all the cranks coalescing around Trump, it didn't make the Republican Party more interesting. It just made a bunch of cranks into like, well, you know, businesses benefit from lower taxes, and guess who businesses hire people? <laughs> they like La- there couldn't be a LaRoche La today because he was just he was too idiosyncratic. Like, yeah, he was a racist, freaking, like just freak crank. Lunatic and scam artist. He didn't go to jail. <laughs> Total yeah. hogs. He went to jail for a long time for doing like millions of dollars in mail fraud. He's yeah. probably the and, mail and fraud. Champ. One of my favorite. He is. He's one of the greatest mail frauders of all time. Yeah. And more and more people are recognizing. He's the it. Mickey Barnes. Of he mail was. Fraud. Sellies with Jim Baker while he was serving time for, for whatever fraud. He's I'm got, walking. Oh, he's, he gave God. Baker the idea Let's for the Let's write buckets. that screenplay. Yeah. 
Now you I, gave him the idea for the buckets. I would rather live in that cell than my apartment. <laughs> uh, Jim Baker claimed that uh, while they were cellies, LaRouche would uh, have foreknowledge of news events weeks before they happened, would receive like a daily letters in prison that were his intelligence briefings <laughs> from his, like, I don't know, his own his network, or his network of, yeah. He had a cult. It was a cult, like, yeah. For, for sure. Um, and then, you know, 100% thought their cell was bugged and he would, like, be very cagey. He was probably aughts, right. In the early aughts, I would get handed LaRouche pamphlets at the, in the metro in D.C. I mean, they're, they're young kids, too. Yeah, I got, when I would walk my dog when I was, like, 12, LaRouche's would hand me pamphlets. And I'd be like, this fucking rocks. And it, does, and it did because it's like, okay, yes, Soviets are evil. The, the he, Russians, thought, he claimed that Gorbachev tried to have him assassinated. Right. It's like the Soviets are, are disgusting, drunken bug monsters, whatever. But transatlantic roads and yeah. trains? Transcontin- a network of high-speed trains that would connect literally the entire Western Hemisphere. Yeah. I mean, everyone who's into every liberal who's into high speed rail now, I think owes a, uh, owes a little debt of yeah. gratitude to Lyndon. I mean, he was the first Green New Deal guy because between that and his idea of having like hundreds of nuclear power plants, if he'd Which been president and been able to put that into 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 effect in the eighties, we would not be on the verge of climate catastrophe. Yes. Uh, however, he also had a pathological hatred of environmentalists as yes. well. You did, well, well, so do I. But that doesn't mean I don't <laughs> like the environment. I'm, I'm not here to play purity politics with our deceased friend. But he... Uh, no, I mean, you'll never get anyone that interesting on any cable news show. I mean, no. yeah. And, and that's like... I saw a reply today from the only interesting type of politics poster. Someone replying to Ilan Omar saying, I thought that people who represented the American people went away when Trey Gowdy resigned. <laughs> you are continuing his mad. What? Yeah. What? And that's like, so that it made me happy though. Cause it's like LaRoche's spirit lives yeah. on yeah, yeah, because yeah. there are so, there are enough, there are millions of people out there who are like my political heroes. Pff, easy. Jesse Helms and Paul Wellstone. My number one issue, times tables, complete junk science. And, and it's like, it's just like, you know, he's watching the skies. And when you see that little psycho twinkle in a normal person's eyes, when they're like, yeah, you know, uh, the nobility of, of Liechtenstein, they conspired to take down Louis C.K. because they didn't like what he was saying. That's uh, when, you know, other, you know that beauty is out there. Other great LaRouche beliefs uh, that, that the Queen of England is... Uh, Controlling the, the world's world largest drug, drug cartel. Jeez. The entire world drug trade is literally Queen being Elizabeth. run out of Buckingham Palace. Amazing. Yep. They're just drying weed in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the all of it. Just full of weed. That that scepter, it contains a million dollars worth of mids in it. <laughs> uh, he had a bizarre fixation with yeah, the Queen of England and the British royal family. For all I know, 100% true. Well, he didn't, he didn't like any, any elite either, which was sort of a, like, he also had a kind of oppositional defiant disorder. He was, yeah, I mean, when I, like, later on, uh, like, the, the, LaRouche, the LaRouche people would have the big impeach Cheney posters whenever you would see one yeah. of their little card tables set outside a college campus or the New York Times building or whatever. They were big on impeaching Cheney. And so you're um, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, and oh, then, I agree with that. When then Obama they get you, came along. Then they get you with the, the international drug cartel. Uh, oh, even better. Uh, so people were playing old campaign commercials of him uh, when he passed away. And there was a great one where he's talking about, I think, Michael Dukakis. And he's just like addresses the camera and he's like, Michael Dukakis is completely in the pocket of the big grain cartel. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> the, oh, the grain cartel. You know what? Maybe he was. I don't know. Yeah, who it knows? could be true. I don't know. <laughs> what happened? To it's our... just so weird that it could be true and yeah. banal. But think of a guy. Think of think of a political movement that could go from going around the country with impeach Cheney signs to a Democrat gets an office and switches to Obama with a Hitler mustache. Yeah, that was yeah. that was those I mean, are great signs. That is galaxy brain. Mm-hmm. No one else is going to do that. What that, happened? None of these boring assholes uh, pushing the same five fucking talking points nowadays are going to put out anything that cool. What happened to our old men? You know, yeah, our old men. Fox like they, News it homogenized mm-hmm. them. Yeah, it they used to, the brains. They, they used to like catch the family madness they got, and they would be like LaRoche, would be like John McLaughlin. And they would just just be out there and free and beautiful. Yeah, I think it's, I honestly think it was Fox News. Yeah, totally. it's like they watch the same. It's like the five same stories over and over again, and then yeah. it just smooths off their brain, and they can't dream anymore. They can't dream and, about uh, transatlantic like, ocean uh, train. Snowpiercer. He wanted to do Snowpiercer. And a massive increase in uh, yeah. in uh, the space program. You, that was another big thing for LaRouche was and was way more space program. Another, you know what? He had policies. Yeah. And who can you who can you say that about these and days? And he was really insistent that classical orchestras were yes. playing at the wrong pitch. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. that's the best thing. Every guy like that, like they're all their theories and all their policies, they're apocalyptic. It's like we need to like right now, we need to fucking, you know, wind turbines. It's a way for the Rothschilds to fucking decommission the air you're only gonna live <laughs> but then like but then they'll have one that's like oh yeah and by the way like horse racing isn't what it used to be jockeys <laughs> are too mean now <laughs> could you it's explain like, what Matt, could you explain the the classical music thing because it's one of it, it, it i i just I found out about it it's a hilarious it, a crank belief person, that for all i know could be true as well is that so there's this pitch that they like tune their instruments to in in orchestras and then there's a pitch. Verdi apparently, the composer would would instruct that the instruments for his performances be tuned slightly differently. And Larouche was 100 percent convinced that Verdi was right, and that that was the correct pitch for classical music, uh, and that they needed to make everyone else do it on all other performances. It's of like, others. It's like every piece of classical music you've ever heard is wrong. wrong. Yes. Is wrong. <laughs> he also believed that uh, the world. Is a secret battle between Platonists and Aristotelians. <laughs> also, so I mean, good. I mean, he could. I mean, he might be right. Yeah, who knows? You know, who, who am I to say? Yeah. Uh, Verdi's middle C is at two hundred fifty-six hertz rather than two hundred sixty-one point six two hertz. Yeah, and he's uh, like, yeah. that's the right number of hertz. I don't know where to go from there. I don't. I like, but it, it doesn't mean that everyone else is wrong. It right. just meant that he tuned differently. But he 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 thought was. The Verdi was mathematically. He was correct. He was making music mathematically correctly, and, and everyone, everyone else, else had, was doing it was, wrong. Yeah, had messed up. Yeah, yeah. They were all in the pocket of grain. The the Aristotelian, the, the Aristotelian grain uh, drug dealing queen of England, and the Rothschilds. Let's not forget. Oh no, yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'm down to. I'm down to hang out, hit the bar tonight. But if there are any Aristotelians out there, <laughs> it's fucking on site. That's it. I am so sick. Oh my god, fucking Jeff. And his big grain bullshit. <laughs> He's about to get stomped the fuck out. If I hear one person talk about the fucking parable of the cave, I'm going to snap next. <laughs> 
I ah oh man, this just makes me. It makes me wish we were all born much earlier than we were. <laughs> yeah, it was we would have. It was a great time. He was too beautiful for this world. Well, it was like it was a time when there really was. It was the end of history. It was the eighties and nineties, right? Like there was no real ideological diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just the stultifying, you know, uh, almost bipartisan consensus. And then there's this guy like, hey, if you want to, so, if you want something actually cool, yeah, and interesting and different, this is it. The Queen of it England. It seems is a like drug the game. the kind of. Uh, you know, Nick Land thing is such a pale comparison. Oh, like yeah. the Kekistan stuff. Yeah. It's just like, shut up. You're just boring. Yeah. yeah you, Where I, do you stand on transcontinental roads, motherfucker? Yeah, exactly. I, I, no, I, I just want to live in a computer. Boring. Shut up. I, I've talked about this before, but like, you remember how the like forums and the internet used to be where it's like someone would be like, all right, first things first. It, it, this would be in like 2005. I still think John Kerry should be president. I'm still supporting John Kerry. <laughs> I abortion under no circumstance, <laughs> no circumstance. We need to pull out of, we need to pull out of Afghanistan, but not a rock. <laughs> <laughs> like people used to be more interesting. Yeah, they really did. Never explain why. Yeah, so never, <laughs> never. They'd be like, I'm not having this argument again because like 30 people that like got banned or left the website had been like, what the fuck are you talking about in years before? And they're like, we've been through this. <laughs> well, uh, we, we bid, we bid adieu. He is now beyond the veil, Lyndon LaRouche, yep. 98 years old. Uh, hell of a career. Um, I know it, it was probably funny talking to this, but uh, if, if you're listening to the show, like, don't actually engage with, you know, actual LaRoucheites. No, 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 no. no, no, no. You're, 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 contact. You're, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Besides yeah. us. Yeah. No, I mean, he actually is a right-wing crank. But, no, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just, he's a funny, entertaining one. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're none of those. Very le- short supply. Yeah. None of those left. Even Alex Jones' beliefs. Oh, God. He's boring. just a Republican he, he, now. He leveled off completely. He doesn't talk yeah. about the clockwork Nothing. elves anymore. Nothing. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck Joe Rogan never having LaRouche on. That's a good point. Oh, well, I mean, oh, that would yeah. have been a disaster because all his listeners would have joined. Yeah, <laughs> it would have become the most he, powerful he was protecting party. Us. Yeah, well, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Like everyone from like 2016 on, it's just it's like you know the left liberals versus the centrists versus the MAGA people, and then some of the other, and then just out of nowhere, there's like 70 million Larusheites, and it's like, well, guess we're all wrong. This is the new thing. Well. uh think that about does it for this show i'd like to close out again by saying uh we were right about this shit about corbin and yep. we're doubly right about omar mm-hmm. so fucking uh if you haven't learned that lesson yet uh maybe you should especially goes if you're currently in elected office and then i'd just like to give a plug for uh a colossal wreck by alexander coburn or really any of his great collections you know i only think of him as olivia wilde's uncle very true it's it's a, it's a tome that you can sort of like I said reach for when you're feeling unsure because basically uh, it's always been as uh, stupid and uh, fucked up as it is now. Yeah, but and, but least, he's a but he's a great writer. Yeah, very much. It's so. a, it's a, it, was, it was a joy reading those paragraphs. Usually I, I want I feel like it's grinding my fucking teeth down to nubs <laughs> trying to get through one of those. But it was nice to do a, a lively one that had it a, is, sort that of a is crackle. True. If you compare just the just the prose to yeah. like a Brett Stevens or. Or, oh, or Brooks or McCardler, and it's just, just dead oatmeal. inside, bloodless. That's just just absolute r- flavorless. Deep smush. blue can There's write more not interesting. Not a prose. lot of good writing these days, no. except for me. <laughs> Check out uh, Embler. Embler. Embler <laughs> <laughs> alert. Oh God! All right. Till next time, guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.